Hey everybody, I'm Brownie. This is my show, Culture Armistice. Welcome back. Um, yesterday I left you with a cliffhanger, and I'm going to address that today. But first I wanted to say, oh, okay, so yesterday I talked about a, a bit about Salon.com and some libertarian uh, hit piece they did. And I didn't know much about Salon yesterday. I've never really read the site, so I, I did some reading last night. Oh, excuse me. And it's not quite what I thought it was. I, I, I was under the impression it was a somewhat normal news aggregator type site. <clears throat> but, yeah, I guess they're not. They're just basically... Uh, I mean, they're an agenda-driven site, and they don't really hide that at all. I don't think it's a secret. You know, I've heard uh, I've heard people on the right say that Salon is like a you know liberal, whatever. But you know, they say that about everything. So I I don't I don't know, I don't know what to believe. But Salon definitely has a liberal agenda, and I don't think they're hiding that at all. Uh, so you know. I don't care about them, I guess. Like, uh, of course they're going to disparage libertarianism, just like they disparage uh, anything conservative or anything related to Fox News. They're kind of obsessed with this stuff, it seems like. So, yeah, it doesn't matter. I expect that out of them. And it's really not worth the time to debunk the stuff they say. I mean, there's actually, surprisingly, in the comments on those articles, there's a lot of people... I guess are libertarians trying to set them straight. But, you know, like I was talking, yes, the things I was saying yesterday was based on the idea, the assumption that the people at Salon wanted to have, like, an honest, you know, discussion about these ideas, and that they actually just had an honest misunderstanding about what they were talking about. But that's obviously not the case. They, I think they do know what they're talking about, and they're purposely misrepresenting stuff. Um creating straw men and, you know, guilt by association and all that good stuff. And that's fine. They get clicks. Uh, and that's all that matters online, right? Anyway, enough of that. At the end of the show yesterday, I said that I was going to talk today about how all entrepreneurship is a form of arbitrage. And I think I said that, didn't I? Well, if not, I was thinking it. Anyway, um, so for those of you who don't know what arbitrage is, it's basically <clears throat> uh, when there's a commodity of some sort that has uh, different value in different places, and then uh, you sort of trade the commodity between the two places to make a profit. Uh, that's arbitrage. So, for example... Uh, for currency, currency arbitrage would be, say, you can buy some currency for $10 on one exchange, uh, and you can sell it for $12 on another exchange. So, obviously, that's going to give you a, a $2 profit every time you do this. Buy for 10 sell for 12 But the thing that, that this does is you're actually providing a service to the world when you do this, because you're, you're erasing that value difference. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm having it's, it's allergy season here. 
the maple trees are coming out and it kind of affects me a bit. Anyway, so when you participate in arbitrage, you are making a profit, but you're also providing the service of uh, sort of erasing a value gap or maybe like a market inefficiency. I don't like that term market inefficiency because uh, if there's some unequal situation in the market, that's what the market does. It erases the inequality. So it's not an efficiency. Inefficiency. <clears throat> anyway, where am I getting with this? So, okay. When, uh, yeah, right. So arbitrage. Now, if you think about it, this is what all entrepreneurship is. So if you, basically, if you see some value in something, some natural resource or human resource, and you shape it or change it and then sell it for some other value, then you are, you have started a business, right? <laughs> you are an entrepreneur, but also you're, you're uh, participating in arbitrage, arbitrage of natural resources. You're taking some value gap and you're plugging it by providing a service or a product or something that people want. So, really, all business is just arbitrage of natural resources. And what that means is all entrepreneurship tends to bring the value of everything towards some intermediate uh, value. <laughs> um, <clears throat> now, I know that you, you probably might be skeptical about this because you say, oh, well, that obviously that doesn't happen. So, okay, here's what I'm saying. This is my point. If we have an unfettered free market, which I know is a bad word for certain people out there, and I'll get to that in a second, but let's say, not a free market, a freed market. Um, all entrepreneurs are performing arbitrage to bring the value of everything together. And by the way, this is just sort of a theory I have, and even people in the liberty community might disagree with this. But to me, as far as I can see, if you don't mess with this process at all, you're going to get to a point where... Oh, sorry. If we go back just for a second to our currency uh, example. So as you are doing the arbitrage, bu buying at 10 and selling at 12, that value is shrinking, right? Maybe towards an intermediate number of 11. And as your profit decreases, so you're you're starting to buy buy at ten and a half, and then sell at eleven and a half, and then you know it's getting closer and closer to buying at eleven and selling at eleven, which obviously is no profit. And then why would you do it? Right. So your profit shrinks the more you sell. So in if we apply this idea to the natural arbitrage that entrepreneurship is. You're going to have constantly shrinking profit margins as you perform your arbitrage and the value gap shrinks. You're going to make less and less money to the point where you don't make anything. And then you have to expand to some other area of business or 
perform some other service to keep making money. And this is the natural tendency, as far as I can see, in a free market. Now, in the market we have right now, which is not free at all, would be like, you know, someone coming from the outside and messing with this natural process. So when you are doing your currency arbitrage, you buy at 10, you sell at 12, but then it would be like someone coming in from the outside and saying, okay, well, first of all, we're going to make it illegal for anyone else to buy and sell this currency. So only you can do it. And then uh, also we're going to say that the people who sell it to you have to sell at least $1,000 worth, and the people who buy it have to buy at least uh, $2,000 worth. And uh, the you can never buy it for less than uh, 10, and you can never sell it for more than 12. Or, you know, just imposing a whole bunch of rules on this natural process that's happening. And obviously when you do these, make these rules, you're distorting... You're distorting the process. You're just totally, you're mucking with it. So you have this natural tendency for that currency value to, you know, settle at 11. If you don't touch it, just let the arbitrage happen. But instead, you know, people maybe will think it's unfair that the person's making profit or whatever, and they make all these rules to try to make it more fair. And you just mess up, you mess up the natural process. Now it's no longer going to settle at 11. Maybe it'll settle at a higher number. Maybe it won't settle at all. But this is what this is what uh, happens when you interfere in the market. You're taking this natural process that wants everything to have a similar value. Everything that wants everything to be equal, really. A freed market. It's going to tend towards equality. And when we come in and we mess with this, that's when inequalities happen. That's why we have inequality right now. So if you're someone who's really concerned about income inequality, which I don't think in and of itself is a huge deal, or it's not a problem in and of itself. It's poverty that's the problem, but that's a different subject. You know, the, the way to fix it isn't to make more rules about the economy. That's just going to mess it up more man. The way to fix it is to take away the rules that already messed it up that created the inequality. Okay, so look, we have, you know, whatever, some giant corporation that makes all this money, and you you probably think, oh, well, look what free markets have done. They've, they've created this huge wealth gap, and these corporations have so much power and so much money, and we need the government to st stop them. We need to make rules and regulations to stop them. And to me, this is it's crazy talk to me. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> because this, this entire situation was created by the rules and regulations in the first place. I mean, think, think about all the rules you have to follow to just, like, have a product or service you sell. I mean, it's ridiculous. There's tomes and tomes and tomes of stuff that nobody can possibly understand. I mean, lawyers, you know, go to school for, what, three years as law school? And they can't know all the laws. They have to, like, specialize in some area of corporate law. And anything outside their specialty, they don't know what the hell is going on. 
And if lawyers can't know, then how, how the heck is just some schmo who wants to sell, you know, sandwiches supposed to know all the rules and regulations or, or whatever? I mean, it, it's just, it's crazy to say that this is a free market or that deregulation is a problem because it is completely and utterly regulated in every way. There's not a single thing you can do that isn't regulated. There is nothing. And, you know, I, I wonder, actually, do you think that's a bad idea? I mean, is there some limit to regulation? I mean, if you're someone who thinks the free market needs to be regulated, is there anything that shouldn't be regulated? I mean, this is an honest question. I, I wish you could answer me. So, is there something that should never, ever be regulated, no matter what? I'm really curious. I don't know. I, I, I'd really like to know your answer. Also, I'd like to know, is there anything that is regulated now that should not have any more regulation, that's perfectly regulated now, and should have no more or no less? Just, I don't know. So, I would be surprised. So, I don't know. So, I'm having to guess here about the people I know. And I would guess what what should never be regulated to the to those who want to regulate the market. Maybe. Actually, I don't know. I can't. I can't. I'm not even gonna hazard a guess. Um. Anyway. Look, if you don't agree with me, if you think I'm wrong, and that a truly free market with no regulation will lead to huge wealth inequality like the current heavily regulated market does, then that's fine. It's fine if you don't agree with me. All I ask is that you allow for the possibility of not using violence to force me and people like me to follow your rules. Look, when it comes down to it, when you want to regulate something, that means you're okay with using violence to get your way. That's what it is, man. I mean, that's what the government is when it comes down to it. The government has a monopoly on violence. The government is the only entity that's allowed to use force, to force people to do things against their will. And if you support the government, you're saying you are okay with forcing people with violence to do things. And I am not okay with that. I will never be okay with that. That's the ultimate no-no. That's the ult that's the violation, and, and this is what it all comes down to. This violates the non-aggression principle. All the non-aggression principle is, which is the entire base of libertarianism, or the ideas of liberty, is that you can't use violence against someone to coerce them. That's it. If you agree with that, then you can't logically be in favor of the government. If you are in favor of the government, then you do not agree with the non-aggression principle. Now, I've brought this up to people. Uh, usually when I just state the non-aggression principle on its own, uh, they'll say, people will say something like, Oh yeah, that's, that's nice, that's a good idea. And I'll say, well, of course, you know, that means we can't tax people anymore. Oh, no, 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 that's bad. We have to tax people. So... 
you know, I would ask for some consistency here. If you think the non-aggression principle is good, then you can't support the government. Now, maybe you think, well, it's a nice idea, but in the real world, it can't work. And that's okay. That's okay if you think that. But I'm really concerned about you, yourself. Do you think it's a good idea, and do you support using violence to coerce people to do things against their will? So do you? I don't. So this is sort of what I... I want to communicate here to people. Actually, I heard... Uh, I was listening to Sam Cedar the other day. I don't know why I do that so much. It's a holdover from my Air America days. But he was uh, he was debating Walter Block, who's like kind of a libertarian economist guy, and he's not a very good spokesman, by the way. I mean, I was I wasn't listening. I was watching this on YouTube, and he was uh, just not good, man. Like I agreed with the guy Walter Block, but I thought he lost the debate just because he was terrible. <laughs> but anyway, like at one point, Sam Cedar asked him. Or he said to him, you have some, this is a paraphrase, you, the burden of proof is on you, you're trying to impose a hugely unpopular system on the country. Something along those lines. And I just, I couldn't believe that, that he thinks that. This is not what libertarianism or the ideas of liberty are about. There's no imposition here. I mean, it's the opposite of imposition. I, I guess this is hard to understand for someone whose political philosophy is based on um, imposition by force. But, look, I don't want to force you to live by my rules. I don't want that. I mean, I honestly don't want that. If you don't agree with me, then I really don't want you to have to live by my rules. For real. But, I'm sorry, but you can't force me to live by your rules either. That's the, the problem, right? So, look, if you want to have a society based on, well, you can't use force, but if you want to have a society with taxes and, you know, market regulations up the wazoo and redistribution of wealth and all that stuff, then that's great. Just, you can't force anyone to do it. You can have only people who agree with you can participate. That's the kicker. And I don't see what the problem with that is. What's the problem? Um, and I actually really am interested in seeing the outcome. I mean, I would really like to see a society of, full of people who all agree that, say, socialism is good, try to go at it and do it. I would love to see that. If they all agree, I, I think it would probably work. You know, the problem with socialism is that if someone doesn't agree, then you have to force them to follow your system. And that's just not okay. I'm not okay with that. That's the beauty of uh, libertarianism. You don't have you don't even have to agree if you live in a libertarian world you don't have to agree with with it 
you can do your own thing or you can participate it's all up to you it's voluntary okay so there is no imposition here I'm not trying to impose my views on anyone I am trying to convince you that my views are right but I would never ever point a gun at you and say you have to do this and all I ask is the same from you don't point a gun at me and force me to do your thing that's it so I have um, now I know that some people might say oh well that's great but what about all the well okay so this is this is a real problem I have some people say that that's a fine idea but you've already benefited so much from society and all the stuff that the government's built that you owe them or something. Uh, and that's really messed up. That's just a messed up thing to think. First of all, you don't have a choice. There's no social contract, by the way. I never signed a social contract. Uh, if there were a social contract, there would be actual terms that both sides would have to follow. I've never seen anything like that. I've never signed anything like that. I've never read anything like that. And even if there was, you're basically bound to the social contract when you're born, when you're zero years old. I mean, a zero-year-old can't decide to accept, you know, the largesse of the welfare state. They just sort of get it. And by the time they can decide, they're 18, oh, it's too late. You've already taken so much from the state. You owe us forever. I don't know, man. I don't think that's right. So, wh I, don't, I mean, you, can you use the same logic for slaves? I mean, uh, oh, you've, you've eaten so much of the master's food and slept in their house, oh, you owe, you owe them. You can't be free. You gotta work it off. I mean, it's the same logic, I think. It's ridiculous logic. For, for, for some reason, one is okay, but the other is not. I don't, I don't, I honestly don't understand that. Anyway. Okay, to sum up. Well, I've talked about a few different things here. If you let the free market happen... Oh, okay, you know what? So let's let's talk about this. How, how did I come to this? So I used to be a socialist, a literal, actual socialist. I had a red card in my wallet that said I was a dues-paying member of the Socialist Party of the United States. And uh, the idea of free market was terrible to me. It was, it was just... I mean, it was ridiculous, uh, borderline evil thing. And the reason for that, I, I think, I, I guess, is just because the, the concept has been absconded with by the neocons. People on the right have taken this free market business as a justification for all the messed up stuff they do and think. And so now people on the left sort of associate those things. They think, oh, the free market equals all this messed up stuff the conservatives do and think. And I don't really blame them for thinking that. Uh, similarly to how 
uh, people on the left took the word liberal, which should mean, uh, you know, in favor of liberty, and changed it to something else. <laughs> they they stole that word, just like the right stole the free market. And those are both bad words now to the opposite side. Anyway, I, uh, I was first convinced to, okay, well, first of all, back then, I thought that the political left was on the side of individual liberty, which was my concern at the time. And I thought that because they were better on social issues, or at least they talked a good game on social issues, that they were better for freedom, individual freedom. And, of course, that's because I didn't realize that economic freedom is part of the whole shebang. So not only do you have the right to associate with who you want to, to marry who you want to, uh, to put whatever drug you want in your body, but you have the right to the product of your labor. Um, and this is, uh, to take someone's, the product of someone's labor from them is equivalent to, <clears throat> what, like retroactively enslaving them. I mean, if you, uh, if you force someone to work for no reward, then they're a slave. So if you take someone's reward away afterwards, well, that's retroactive enslavement, pretty much, isn't it? Uh, even if you don't take away all of their product of their labor. What's an okay amount, by the way? If you take away 100% of the product of someone's labor, they're a slave. But, is what is it? What what percent is okay? Something less than 100. Is 99% okay? I, mean, I know that some people, uh, mostly on the political left are in favor of the, what was it, 90% income tax in the Eisenhower time? You hear that a lot. Like, oh, they used to have 90% tax and it was great. Everyone was happy and everyone had pet unicorns and whatever. But isn't that crazy? 90%? 100% is a slave, but 90% is great? I don't know. That seems a little nuts to me. Anyway, I, I got off track here. When I was transitioning from thinking that socialism was the ideology of individual liberty to realizing that it wasn't, a key cog in this transition was my realization that the free market was not something that existed and that was something that was good. So first of all, it's ethically good, morally good, because it's the only possible way to organize an economy that involves no force. It's completely, if everyone involved just completely acts according to their own will, does voluntary transactions, then you have a free market, and no one is being forced to do anything. That's the only 
That's the only time that's true. Any other economic system involves force, necessarily. You gotta force someone to do something, to pay someone money, or to buy something from someone. But also, being a someone on the general political left, I was really concerned with income equality, or another way of saying that is equality of economic outcomes. I didn't think it was fair that some people have so much money and other people have so little, which I know some of you still think. Um, but I became convinced that the way to get rid of that inequality, the best way, was to take away the regulations in, from the free market. And the free market itself will tend towards economic equality. I became convinced that was true, and I'm still convinced that's true. Uh, okay, so I sort of rambled on today. Uh, I didn't really have a plan for this show. I just turned on the mic and started talking. So, sorry about that. By the way, next time maybe I'll talk a bit about uh, how income inequality isn't bad, it's poverty that's bad. And those are not the same thing. But anyway, until then, I'm Brownie. This is Culture Armistice. And have a nice day.